1948, the people in the British colony of Newfoundland faced a choice. They could become an independent dominion within the British Empire, or they could vote to join Canada in Confederation. The anti-Confederates are not going to get away with it. But St. John's was an anti-Confederate headquarters. Watch in particular the attractive bait which will be held out to lure our country into the Canadian mousetrap. Listen to the Stories Behind the History podcast for our special series, How Did Newfoundland Join Canada? Available now wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, Secret Life of Canada listeners. Last week, we started dropping something new in the feed called Porter Primers. It's a series of short explainers inspired by the new original CBC and BET Plus series, The Porter. The TV series is a fictionalized take on the lives of black train porters in 1920s Montreal who worked on the railways that crossed Canada and the U.S. In this Porter Primer, historian Dr. Dorothy Williams breaks down how porters catalyzed the creation of black neighborhoods and institutions across Canada. Fixed in mind. Everything we want, everything we need, we can have it right here. The Black Porters built Black communities in Canada out of the necessity of being porters. We know that they had a poor wage, so buying a ticket on a tramway or a taxi, some way to get to the train station to work, it didn't work for them. They had to walk in between their shifts when they were what they call laid over. L-A-I-D, laid over, they would be within walking distance of the train. So when they were called back, sometimes if it was really urgent, they could get there. Even if it was a snowstorm, even if the weather was bad, whatever was going on, they had to be able to access, get access to the train. It wasn't just in Canada, but It happened all over North America. So often the immediate area around the main train station in town became the home of black porters because of the need to be close by to the train. And so that's where you eventually had businesses that were developed because black men need to have haircuts in between the shifts, get their clothes pressed and cleaned because they were responsible for that. The railway companies did not pay for you keeping your uniform clean. If you needed to have buttons repaired and put back on to your uniform, there were different kinds of goods and services that they wanted to have. The period of time that black men, uh, I say the height of the porter's aristocracy within Canada, was really also the same period of Negrophobia so that businesses in Canada were not always comfortable to serve blacks. Why should our people walk miles to a city hospital that shuts the door in their face whenever the mood strikes? We need our own clinics. I won't say that was every single business, but just the idea that you had to negotiate that and realize that you couldn't just be free to walk into a business unless you knew that Blacks were welcome there. It lent itself to Black entrepreneurial activity. And once you have that sort of synergy being developed around the railway station, 
these men who were able to get their wives and their girlfriends in that neighborhood. And they wound up developing or acquiring longer term leases rather than just, I need somewhere to stay over two or three nights while I'm waiting for my next shift. And so getting a rooming house and signing a lease and taking on more permanent kinds of housing over time, you know, you have kids and you develop family connections. And from that grows a cluster of black families in a specific neighborhood. Just like in Montreal, you have what was at that time the St. Antoine community. And so because of that, where these porters settled and where their, their families, in other words, where the women chose to, to settle as well, they developed institutions because once you start having families, young kids, you want them to go to church. You want them to have activities. You want to be social with your friends. Black fraternities start to develop. The Elks, the Pride, the Masons, uh, you know, the Good Fellows, all of the different kinds of black associated fraternities and women's groups. Amen. Praise God. And for those registered for the faith healing meeting, it begins directly after service in the church basement. Now let me get to these announcements before our beloved secretary gives me an earful. <laughs> um, our ladies committee needs a reliable wagon. The women would, in association with the church, and start off with women's auxiliaries. They'd get together and have teas. They'd get together and have little socials play with, with the cards and different things like that. Reading clubs over time, it became more and more sophisticated, right up to literary clubs that were being put together in the community. All of that was feeding into this idea of developing social refinements within the community. I mean, this was a community that wanted to be educated and found ways in which to have community education around them. In Montreal, we had, um, through the church, elocution classes, how to speak effectively, debating clubs, things like that. Porter Primers is produced by Melissa Fundira with mixing by Braden Alexander. Tina Verma is senior producer and Arif Narani is the director of CBC Podcasts. All the clips that you hear in Porter Primers come from the new original series, The Porter, produced by the CBC and BET+. For more about that series, go to cbc.ca slash theporter. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.